Hey guys, welcome to the Tales of Moxie podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Lee, and I'm so glad that you're here. I created this podcast with the simple desire of wanting women to have a place to share their stories. Our stories are so powerful, and God's fingerprints are evident throughout them all. So each week, I sit down with another woman who is brave enough to share her story with us. We talk all the things with no judgment. While each story is unique to the person telling it, I find that I see myself in all of them, and I'm sure that you will too. Welcome to season three of Tales of Moxie podcast. I have to thank you guys all right out of the gate for the support and the encouragement that I have had over the last year, because now we've been doing this for a year. Doesn't that seem crazy? And I'm just so grateful because I had some things come up at the end of season two in my life, and I had to put the podcast on hiatus. And you guys have been so supportive. So thank you so much. I'm honestly so grateful and I'm so humbled by the fact that so many people listen to this podcast and so many people have supported us in such a huge way. So first of all, thank you. Second of all, I'm due to have my third child, which is a baby boy, in November. So I'm doing my best to try to get you guys a little mini season three before the baby comes. So our first guest that I'm going to have on the podcast this time is Maria Furlow. She's author of Breaking the Fear Cycle, How to Find Peace for Your Anxious Heart, and her most recent book released this month, and it's called Confident Moms, Confident Daughters, Helping Your Daughter Live Free from Insecurities and Love How She Looks. This conversation was really cool, but it's packed with a lot of stuff. We talked about fear, we talked about anxiety, we talked about suffering, and then we also talked about being confident in our own body. We talked about body image. We talked about what that looks like in Christ and the ways that maybe our culture is feeding into our negative self-image. So this was a really neat conversation. Um, It's definitely a conversation that I hope that women go off, break out, and have their own discussions about. So I would love to hear your feedback on what it meant to you or what parts resonated with you. Again, you can always find us on Instagram at Tales of Moxie, and I hope to hear from you and kind of see what you thought. Thank you again for following along and for kind of accepting that season three might look a little different and be a little bit shorter, but we are here for it. So I hope you enjoy. Good morning, Maria. Welcome to Tales of Moxie podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you this morning. Yeah, generally, it's so awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Thank you. I would love to kind of get you acquainted with our listeners and our listeners acquainted with you. Would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, um, just so we kind of know who we're, we're listening to? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. I, you know, first and foremost, always, we just love to brag on our families, right? I have a, a awesome husband uh 15 years and we met in college in james madison university on the intramural football field that was fun <laughs> uh and then we have five kiddos and our, our oldest kiddo is our only girl she's 11 our only daughter and then we've brought into the world four boys after that wow <laughs> so for a, a fun and crazy household but part of our story is that my uh my fourth child my my third son uh, he lives in heaven with Jesus. We did not get to keep him for long. He passed away only a few hours after birth. And so he's a big part of our story. But I just love, you know, when we talk about our family and we talk about 
uh, who's in our family and just about our lives, uh, he's always in there as a part of our story. So uh, I just have a passion for teaching God's word to women. I've been, I started off teaching Bible to teenagers in full-time youth ministry, but now I teach Bible studies at my church to women. And I just love uh, using it on the basic level, like not overcomplicating it, reading, reading it for what it actually says, and then figuring out how to apply it to everyday life. So that's the Cliff Notes version of, (laughs) of me. Yeah. And, and I love that you brought up that um, you, you introduce your family with your son in heaven too. That's important. And I, if I recall from, from reading his name is Gideon. Yeah. His name is Gideon. Yep. Well, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if you don't mind talking a little bit more on that kind of story. Cause I know that that played a big part in writing your first book on fear. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did you kind of come into that journey of writing that story out? Well, how did that come into play? This is going to be something that everyone needs to hear. This is a voice that needs yeah. to be heard. Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I've always loved to write and I've always had it in my heart to be a writer, but you know, you have kids and you start diving into that and just was focusing in on being home but I had started a blog years before that was just kind of sitting out in the world. And what happened was when I was pregnant with Gideon at my 18 week ultrasound is when I found out that he had a fatal condition. Mm -hmm. So what happened is that he, he was going to have a great and healthy pregnancy, but once he was born, he wouldn't have the, what he needed to sustain life. So I was faced with a four month journey of facing a, a ton of fears that, you know, hit me like a tidal wave. And it, what happened was, is that all of the fears that I had kind of just been putting band-aids on over my whole life, you know, those band-aids weren't working anymore. And so I had daily battles with fear. And, you know, I also had uh, lots of people who were grieving with us and wanting to know constantly how I was doing. And honestly, I don't know if it's just me. It's really hard to talk when you're in intense grieving times, when you're facing sorrow that you've never faced before and battling all that spiritual fear type stuff. Talking was hard for me, but writing I could do. And so once a week I would have, you know, my crying out prayer time, digging through scripture and crying out to God for help. And then I would, I would post about it. I would blog about it. And that became the place where people came to just learn how our family was doing, learn updates of when Gideon was going to come and what, you, you know, information I had found from the doctors and stuff like that. And so what happened was Gideon's whole journey was tracked on my blog. And that wasn't something I like kind of set out it to to decide to do. It just kind of happened. And God really ended up using it months later when I sat down to write a Bible study on fear. I tracked, I opened up my prayer journal. I pulled up my blog posts and I said, okay, how did I get through this? And how did I face the most, my most feared day of my life, the day that Gideon came with the most intense peace I had ever experienced? So writing down that stuff while it was happening just really helped birth the Bible study that then led to, uh, you know, the breaking the fear cycle book. Mm. And I love how you say that there was the most peace you've experienced on the most fearful day that you've ever had. Um, because I think it's so, we, we hear that 
you know, and even listening, I'm thinking listeners are probably saying, yeah, I've, I've heard that people have said things like that, but it's right. so different to experience. What was that like for you to actually experience that collision of peace and fear yeah. at the same time? Yeah. And I wanted to, I wanted to be able to articulate it in a way to help people understand, because I think what happens is we have these fears in our mind and we're playing out a certain scenario. And, you know, at least for me, I really had a crisis of faith that I really didn't know how God could meet me there. And so my fears were relying first of all on my reason and facts, which God is bigger than those. And second off of, you know, what I was predicting a future to be that I didn't really know how it was going to play out. And so, you know, in that cycle of having these very reasonable and very understandable fears, God just drawing me back over and over again to his character and who he is. And if I really do believe about him, what I say, I believe, which I believe that he's sovereign and I believe that he's powerful and I believe that he's capable of miracles. And so this collision of fear and peace really came when God proves that he's right and my fears are wrong and really starting to say, okay, you know what? If God did that in my life that day, he can do it in anyone's life any day. And so how, how can I take that knowledge? How can I take that level of faith and start applying it to everyday living? You know, not waiting for the crisis to come, not waiting for, you know, the time to come when, you know, that day is here and you don't have a choice, but really putting into practice, relying in on that peace instead of the fear, because our life is full of many joyful days that we're ruining with fearful thinking and fearful decision-making. So that's really what that whole thing was like to me. And it was just beautiful because like, yeah, God is who he is, who he has been saying he is all along. It was just me that wasn't really tapping into that enough to actually let it make a difference in my my fear thinking. Mm. I think that's so neat because we read, you know, Jesus says, I've come to give you peace and an abundant life. And yeah. I always think of it. I was just thinking the other day of that, that sense of, okay, he's given us, that's a gift that we can take. Right. But I feel like most days I wake up and I leave it sitting on the nightstand and it's yes. like, I'm just choosing to be like, I don't need that today. But if I would choose to actually pick up that piece and carry it with me, I wonder what that would look like. Um, and I also love hearing, so I'm, I'm an Enneagram six. I don't know if you know your Enneagram, but as I'm hearing you talk, I'm thinking, yes, I do that. I fortune tell, right? Like I'm thinking, okay, I'm, this is what's going to happen. I've got it all laid out. But for me, it, you know, trying to do all that is, is my way of taking control and trying to make the situation something that I am okay with because if I have planned out the worst case scenario and I've already yes. seen it, then when it happens, okay, I should be okay with this, right? Cause I've already seen it. Right. So what kind of sense of like losing control in a good way of giving control up to God did you feel during this time? Yeah. And my husband is an Enneagram six and I'm Enneagram one. So I use him a lot as I, as I went through this process because his fears look totally different than mine right? His were all about the control yeah. and really being honest with himself to say, actually, I kind of do think I function as if I believe my control is better. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It, well, we do. Do, huh? yeah, right? we do. Yeah. Yeah. 
like with our lips like, oh no, God's control is way better. Nope, nope, nope. Actually, what I have planned from A, B, C, D is sounds way better. And so, you know, I talk about it as kind of like a wrestling match and that final like sleeper hold pin that God put me in to say, listen, submission to being in my control actually looks like you finally believing that I'm better at this than you are. And that's really hard because sometimes him being in control looks like having a child that I don't get to keep in this life. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it looks like allowing these trials come into my life that I specifically asked him not to let in. And so it's bringing yourself low enough to say that there's mysteries in this life that I'm not meant to understand, but can I trust that his is better no matter what? And it's painful. You know, when I'm meeting with, with women about this topic in particular, there are some women that walk out of my workshop or, or my talk or even, you know, reading the book and, and they're not ready to dig through it because it is too hard. And it's exactly what you said. Like you got to wake up in the morning and make the choice to want to fight this thing and get rid of it and claim the peace instead. And it's going to take going through some of these, you know, mental scenarios with God to say, if this happened, do I still believe that you are better at control than me? If this happened, do I still believe that you are better at control than me? And it's kind of going through this practices over and over again and coming to the end of yourself to say, okay, I really, I really do finally believe that even if this worst thing happened, I still believe that God's plan is better than mine. And it takes practice. It's a day-to-day like wash, rinse, and repeat Mm -hmm. (laughs) type thing. It's not a light switch that you flick on. It's, you know, having the discipline and the courage to dig up those, those painful places and even go to some kind of scary thinking with, you know, in your relationship with God and your prayer, prayer times with him. Mm. And that's neat because it, like you said, it can be scary, which is why we don't go there. But those are those moments where we're also most vulnerable. So I can see our relationship with the Lord growing so much, even just having these conversations. Um, And I was thinking when you were saying that, how, you know, Job was flashing through my mind and I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. it's interesting how I talk to so many women that don't, they don't even want to read that book. They don't even want to touch that book or open that book. That was me. I'm like, no, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And just because even just that thought is scary. If everything that I'm thinking, all of my fears came true, would I still believe you? And, you know, and that is it living out on the pages. But one of the things that I love about Job is how willing God is to be like, I'm going to sit here. You can ask me all your questions. You can say all the things you want, but then in the end, I'm going to have the last say, and I'm going to have this conversation with you. And I love hearing your story, thinking that, thinking like that's almost kind of what I'm hearing is that you had all your fears and you said all the things that you want to say and your worst Mm -hmm. case scenario in that situation happened, but it was still, God was still there being like, but I'm going to have the final say. Um, It's such a beautiful story. I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah. Yeah. And I love you, you bringing up the story of Job because I was one of those people who did not want to read it. And also I remember specifically the very first time I read it, I kind of knew that God was going to speak at the end of the book, but I had, I didn't know what he was going to say yet. And so I could, cause what is Job like 45 chapters yeah. or something like that? Yeah, it's a long. <laughs> it is long. It's two chapters of like, I lose everything, nothing, you know, his wife says curse God and die. And then it's 40 chapters of him 
and his friends, you know, that whole thing. And so finally getting to the end and I couldn't wait to see what God was going to say. And I was like, I know it. God's going to make it all better. He's going to fix it all. And then what does God say to Job? He's like, who are you? Yeah. Did you lay the foundations of the world? Did you put the boundaries of the ocean? And you're like, wait a second. <laughs> this <laughs> not is not what I was, what I was expecting. You just took all the things away from Job. Does he not deserve an answer? But it's going back to God's infinite power and his sovereignty. And I love what Job says at the end. He says, forgive me. I spoke of things I do not understand. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those, I'm not very good at Bible memorization. Like I prefer to have lots of ideas rather than the exact words, but that's one of those words that I try to have on repeat in my mind if I need it of forgive me, Lord, you know, I'm speaking of things I do not understand. I trust you Mm -hmm. first. So yes, it's a really good once, you know, it, for all the fellow fearers out there, conquering through Job is a good, is a good first step. <laughs> yeah. You're, and you're like, you said, conquering is right. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It is difficult. Uh, so I want to be able to shift gears just a little bit. I wanted to get to talk about fear um, just because it's so, it, I mean, we all face it every single day. Um, but I also yeah. want to be able to talk a little bit about your new book coming out. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of who this book is for? And we can talk a little bit about that. Yes, I would love to. Uh, you know, I said earlier that I always had a heart to write. And one of the reasons why I had started that blog is because my very first passion coming out of being in full-time youth ministry was trying to help uh, young women work through their insecurities and all the issues that, that, that came around poor body image. And I was struck the very first time I held my daughter. I, I was in the hospital. I was holding her. And it was like flashed through my mind was my adolescence mm-hmm. and how much I hated my body and how insecure I was and how that insecurity affected so many different things in my life. Like it doesn't stay in the mirror or on the scale that insecurity just as a ripple effect to so many different areas. And so when I was holding my daughter Faith, I remember thinking, I don't want her to have to go through that. And then I thought, well, the only way that I can protect her from that and give her a different story is if I figure it out first, how do I live a life in godly confidence the way I want my daughter to live. And so I had time. She was an infant. (laughs) And so I kind of tapped into everything that I had learned being in youth ministry with young women for four years, hearing their hearts, hearing their struggles. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this thing. God and I are going to figure this out together so that by the time my daughter's old enough to be learning from me about what confidence looks like, I'm going to figure this thing out. And so I had written a a self-published version uh, of a book for moms and dads, kind of based on what I learned from, from being in youth ministry. And so that was 10 years ago. And so now what I was able to do is combine that part of the story of, you know, seeing girls come to me and honestly, in, in, in a difficult way, venting out a lot about their moms and poor mom not having any idea of what their daughter was seeing or how their mom was affecting them. And then compiling that with what I was kind of practicing and putting into practice in my own home. And so Confident Moms, Confident Daughters was born. That's the name of the book. And the, the, the subject line is helping your daughter live free from insecurity and love how she looks. 
And so it's a book to moms that they can walk alongside with their daughters because it has discussion questions in it. And it also has challenges like mother daughter challenges. So mom's going to be reading the book and digging through her own confidence, but there's stuff that she can take right after she reads that chapter and go either share it with their daughter in a conversation or kind of put into practice one of the challenges in their home. So I'm really excited about it and nervous at the same time because whenever I bring this topic up, whenever I share about confident moms and confident daughters coming out, the brokenness and the hurt that I hear from moms and daughters about their struggle with the way that they look or their insecurity. It's just a deep place of hurt for many of us. So I have hope and I'm expectant that God can redeem us out of it. But I also carry that burden of knowing that it's, it can be a deep hurtful place for a lot of us. Mm. I'm really excited about it just for the same reasons that you're saying, but you're right. It is definitely, especially in our society, this is something that's such an overarching theme. Like I feel like every woman that I meet is going to relate to this message, whether they have a daughter or not. Um, This is a message that they're all going to need. And I love Mm -hmm. hearing you say that it's something that you've worked out together. So what did this, I mean, as you're working it out and and you have an old, you know, a daughter who's you're, you're trying to do this with, what did this kind of look like for you? coming alongside where maybe you didn't have it all figured out yet. You're almost learning with her. Cause I imagine that's what most moms reading this book are going to be doing is learning with their daughter, how to set this out. What was that like for you? Yes. So first of all, it was the process of identifying what my own insecure behaviors and practices and choices and words were and not wanting to expose my daughter faith to them Mm -hmm. and not in a way that was like hiding or secret, But it's in the same way that there's certain parts of our adult life that we don't talk to our kids about. We don't talk to them about our intimacy issues. Mm -hmm. We don't talk to them about our, you know, our spiritual attacks that we're going through. And I didn't want her to be exposed to my insecurity growing. And so, you know, there's certain words that I started cutting out of my vocabulary entirely and teaching my boys we don't use the word fat in this house. If you want to talk about an animal that's a little rotund, find a different word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And just putting practices in that we're not about looks in our home. We're not about sizes. We don't talk about weight. Like there are just certain things that early on I recognize were insecurity triggers for me and I wanted them out of my house. And so it was going on my own kind of self-discipline to say, okay, like, you know, we want to protect our kids from certain media choices and we want to teach them good character habits. Well, those have to start with us first. And so, you know, you know, for me learning kind of as an adult that I had disordered eating growing up. And I think a lot of us really probably did. And we didn't even realize that was a thing. Disordered eating is not necessarily a full fledged eating disorder, but it's just this constant struggle with our relationship with food uh, that we have. And so just kind of learning these things. And then in my interactions with faith, the focus focus is 150% on her value in Christ and her creation as his daughter. And knowing that the body things are going to come up through the years, like how can they not, right? We're all living in this world, but to have a plan (laughs) is to how, you know, how to handle it when it comes up. And so yeah, I'm really excited for women and moms to just start thinking in this way. And my, my biggest prayer is that it just starts a greater conversation Mm -hmm. about all of these topics, about how we treat our, 
how we treat our gym practices. You know, it's, I, I listen on the radio and I watch on TV, like even in Christian circles, like our, the amount that we go to the gym and you know, how many boot camps we've been to is just such like a, like a badge of honor and I love going to things like that like it's a it's a fun part of my life like if I don't get that adrenaline moving I do not function correctly but it's not my badge of honor like our we have one and only badge of honor and that is Jesus Christ in our life his death for us forgiveness of sins period all the other badges of honor need to go and so even like the societal you know quote healthy you know practices sometimes in a growing insecure girl's brain doesn't translate that way. And so I had conversations with pediatricians. I had a conversation with a, you know, a a counselor. I had a conversation with a young woman who had worked through an eating disorder and kind of, again, starting this conversation with a greater group of people to say, where have we gone off on this as, as believers and as Christ followers and how do we model it better? Mm. And I love that you say that the healthy picture that we're being given right now is not like a badge of honor because you're right. That's what I'm seeing. That's what my news feed, my social media feed, yeah. everything is, is flooded with that. And I am not a young teenage girl. I can't imagine yes. when my brain is still molding and I'm still such a sponge taking in all of that and thinking, well, this is how I have to be. And I love that. So as, you, as you're taking this journey and you're figuring like, okay, there's so many things that we're being told. We're being told this is unhealthy. This is healthy. This is the way to do yes. it. This is the way not to do it. Um, yes. Kind of realizing, like you said, that the only badge of honor is our worth and our identity in Christ and right. then taking care of our soul. So what was your journey like of being like, okay, I'm going to set down these things that I, maybe society has said or other people have said, yeah. or maybe even I have said that are important and make me me because really I feel like that's what this comes down to right is what we feel like makes us us um and saying I'm going to sit here and take care of my soul and what is healthy for my soul rather than just my body because it is important to take care of our bodies but our soul health is so much better what what did you kind of learn as you started searching for your soul health yeah and I can give you a few examples of that. And when I talk about it in my book, I, I, I always want to make sure that it's clear that I give examples of what this has played out for me, but I don't want to ever make the claim that this is exactly how somebody else should do it. What I do want to suggest is making intentional choices, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Going through the, the, the thinking and the prayerful process of, okay, like this is a life choice that I have in my life. How do I treat food? How do I treat mirrors? How do I treat, you know, my physical activity? These are my life choices. This is what I know that God says in his word. And this is the character I am aiming for. And so going through the process of making those life choices, not necessarily copying exactly how I've done it. Mm. So I just want to preface that as I give these examples, because there are certain things that I've made certain choices about. And, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned going to the gym. Now I grew up playing sports and being physically active is something that I learned in my adult life. Like I just, I legitimately enjoy it as a teenager growing up. If I wasn't working out three to five times a week from 30 minutes to 60 minutes and a time, right. Cause that's what like the health magazines at that time, they were magazines. <laughs> uh, that's what the health magazines told me that I needed to do. I felt like a failure every single week Mm -hmm. because I was never hitting three to five times a week and I was never hitting 30 to 60 minutes each time. So every single week of my adolescent life into my young twenties, 
I thought I was a failure when it came to physical fitness, not even addressing the fact that it's just something I loved to do and also not forcing myself to be physically active in ways that I actually hated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was trudging through whatever I could just to check that box. And so transitioning that to say, is that okay? I've got a certain amount of minutes each week in my, in my life. And the fact of the matter is, is that if I am going to spend three days a week in the gym, that is going to be a time sacrifice for me, whether it's going to be from writing or whether it's going to be time alone with God or whether it's going to be rest or whether it's going to be time with my kids. It's a sacrifice to make time to have physical activity in my life. And so I have made the choice that I go once a week. Tuesday mornings are my morning and I go to the hardest possible class I can find because I like it. I like the interval, you know, die for 20 seconds and then rest for 10 seconds. It's just kind of good for my personality. And so that's what I do. And I've decided, and I don't feel bad that it's once a week. And I see the people at the gym and they're like, Hey, see you tomorrow. And I'm like, Hey, no, you won't. (laughs) (laughs) On Tuesday. Um, But that's just been my compromise. You know, my husband and I laugh about it because sometimes we make a date and go together. He's like, come on, let's go tomorrow. And I'm like, I know kind of, I'd like to, but I can't, I got other stuff to do and really just being at peace about that. And also that whole explanation that I gave you, I, my kids don't know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, they don't, they don't, you know, know mommy's gym habits or what I'm doing or not doing. Like those are personal choices and you know, my kids love sports. And so that's just a part of their life. We don't need to have the physical activity conversation. Hopefully it's just been weaved into their living since they were little. And so that's just one example. Another example for me, which is a quicker explanation, is there are no scales in my house. There, I mean, they just were gone a long time ago. You know, I sneak away and every once in a while I want to go to someone else's house and in the bathroom, <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's a scale. <laughs> so tempting. But when you have it, I would, what? Yeah. Yeah. I get tempted. But when I had it every single day available to me, it was just constantly, again, pass, fail, pass, fail. And it was maddening for me and just leading to really unhealthy thinking. And so they're gone. And so those are just two little tiny examples of dozens through the years of just intentional thinking and being honest with myself of what is creating God-centered confidence in me versus what is really, you know, making me struggle with my insecurity or my body image. Yeah. Well, and, and hearing you say pass fail, I'm thinking, well, yes, that's what it is to us. It is so past fail, just like everything else I feel like in our lives right now, because our culture is so, you know, success oriented. And, and to them, that means not just pass, but a plus, right? Like you have to be achieving and accomplishing so much that we kind of make this, this topic of body image into another thing to achieve and to accomplish just one more thing. Like you're saying to check off the list of, I have done this well. So now see me in this light. And it's so interesting just to hear you say, and I'm thinking like, oh, everything in the gospel that was, that we would think would be a failure is usually a win, you know, because God does things so backwards and so upside down, not anywhere that we're actually thinking. Um, And I've said this before, but, but thinking of how Jesus dying on the cross was to the people standing at the foot of the cross, probably the biggest failure in in history, right? Mm -hmm. 
but we know the end of the story and we know it was the greatest success in our time yeah. in all of history, mm -hmm. but they wouldn't have known that. Yeah. So it's just so neat hearing you say like, this isn't a pass or fail thing to me because I don't know what is successful. I don't know what the outcome yeah. is to be. So for me, it's just how living in his path and in his word every day and he'll work out the pass or fail. That's not something we right. have to try to accomplish. And it takes the weight off of us, mm -hmm. right? Like that's that thing where now we can say like, I don't have to feel the pressure of this world because I don't really know if what that, what they're saying is success is success or not. So I'm just going to lay it all out right. there and I'm going to let God be the one to pull up what's successful and what's not. Yes. Yes. That's so just, true. We put that huge boulder on our shoulders. Mm -hmm. And when you really break it down and you ask yourself, does God care about my body size? Does God care about my gene size? Yeah, he, he cares that we're taking care of and being good stewards of what he has given us and not abusing, you know, the body that we've been given. But at the end of the day, like that is not what he cares about. Why should we? And so you're right, like where that line is of pass and fail, it just, you know, it's not ours to determine. And as you were talking, I, I thought of, you know, the verse that says for we are, uh, you know, Christ is glorified most in our weaknesses. And that was really something that, you know, going through a little bit of counseling as a young woman about the insecurity thing to say, like, really what insecurity and poor body image are is it's thinking too much of ourselves. Mm. You know, we think that we're so hard on ourselves, but really we're just focusing way too much on us in general. Yeah. We have to stop thinking about us so much, looking outward more at those around us. And God is, it's just, it, it, it makes it easier than to not be so insecure all the time because insecurity in general is just us constantly self-thinking. Yeah. Oh, and I love that point. I love that because that's basically worry too, right? I was told one time yeah. you worry yeah. so much. It's just a meditating on negative things and like God's telling right. us, you know, thoughts on above. And it's like, no, you're right. And then when you think about that worry is a sin and it's like, I, I yeah. don't think about that when I'm doing it, obviously. Yeah. Um, but right. you're so right. That is so true. It is so self-absorbed in the sense of worth thinking so much of ourselves. And I don't want, right. you know, that to be something that we add now to people to be right. like, oh, don't think of yourself, but it's a good point to remember that yeah. you're right. If we're focusing on other people and we're, we're loving the way that we're called to love, this will kind of right. just take care of itself along the way. And I think too, mm -hmm. it's really neat and really important to think too, you know, that like you said, how God sees us and, and how God would describe us to others. Cause that's not how we would describe ourselves to others. When we right. describe ourselves, yeah. we would say things like that, you know, well, I'm a trainer or I'm this or I'm that. And that's not right. what's the forefront of what God's describing us. And that's, to me, that's beautiful in itself. And, you know, when yeah. I walked through kind of my journey of healing, one of the things that I found was every time that I would talk to about someone else. So I had a counselor tell me, well, you're really hard on yourself in this way, but I want you to meet Susan and Susan has this, 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 and this, and it was all the things that I had. Right. But what would you tell her? I would never yeah. tell her the things that I was telling yeah. myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so hearing you talk and say like, well, if we're looking outwards, it, that kind of, it does, it kind of takes care yeah. of itself. And I did find myself yeah. being like, no, I want her to see how loved she is and how these are the yeah. things she's so good at. And these are the ways that she's unique. And to be able to maybe flip that on ourselves and say, no, that's, you know, that's the kind of grace that we need to be giving ourselves as well. And I like yeah. your message in that in thinking like, no, let's not be so, you know, self-absorbed on ourselves and those yeah. insecurities. Yeah. 
That's neat. So I'm thinking one of the things that you said that I love because I'm as a listener, I'm thinking, so if I don't have daughters and like myself, I have two boys. I loved hearing you say that you kind of weave this even into their lives. So what can this look like for us? No matter who boys or girls, whoever we have as our children, what does this look like for us to kind of set that stage and set, this is how our home is going to intentionally tackle this topic, even if they don't know, but you know, and how you're tackling it. Yeah, that's a really great question because I do think it's so important, you know, when we're raising our boys, we're raising, you know, young men into the world. And we're also raising the boyfriends and fiancés of all the the daughters out there, right? (laughs) It's important. And so, I mean, it's the same sentiments for them, but I've heard so many, you know, the stories of so many women and so many teens, you know, growing up and talking about how you know, things that their brothers said to them or boys growing up to them was really, you know, a catalyst for their insecurity. You know, like brother called them fat or kid at school said, you know, you look such and such. And a lot of the times it does come from boys and it hurts extra because, you know, we're kind of, we're, we're growing into adults, right? Like we start getting these weird feelings towards the opposite sex. And so it's extra embarrassing and extra, you know, mortifying if, a boy says something like that to you. And so I talked to, you know, I talked to my boys about that, you know, that we don't talk about physical parts of people. That's not something that we talk about it, it positive or negative, honestly, because that's one of the things that my, you know, my counselor did communicate to me is said compliments to you are just as devastating to your insecurity as negative comments are because you're just constantly sizing yourself up. And so it's just the encouragement and it's the precedent to say, we don't compliment people's looks. Mm. We compliment their character. We compliment, you know, their actions. We compliment their choices. We compliment their talents. We don't compliment their bodies. Uh, we don't hone in and look at them. You know, definitely we don't ever like call sisters butt fat or, you know, mm-hmm. any of that. And, you know, we've weaved that in as a young age. And so, and, you know, they're boys, like things just come out. And so we don't condemn them, but they're teaching opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. To say the things that I just said to you in a way that just helps them understand how the world ticks a little bit and how we want to make sure that we are looking at the women in our life. And on like a funny note, like I've just always like, you know, and I talk about it in my book. So I guess I'm going to just go ahead and say it out loud here. Just my I had butt issues growing up. Like I wanted to hide it. And it all started when in seventh grade, a boy that I liked, you know, looked in front of my whole class and said, her butt is so big. Seventh grade, 12 years old, 12 year old Maria. Talk about, you know, like keeping that in my head. And so that's something that has just been a part of my journey of like not slipping into pools and hiding and, you know, not feeling like I have to constantly wear this insecurity on my sleeve. And so that's something that God has healed me of entirely. And I just, when I think of how far I have come with that, thinking of the young woman I used to be when it came to that, and now I have hope. I have such hope for young women and women to be redeemed from these things. And I laugh because I had one son that just loved to use my booty growing up as a drums. (laughs) And I would think back to my teenage self and think how mortifying that would have been to me. Um, But how I didn't care, you know, like it, I just talk a lot about how our bodies are functional. 
our bodies are strong. Our bodies are to do something. And obviously, you know, as he grew older, he could no longer use mommy's bones <laughs> as drums. <laughs> but it didn't bother me in the least. And it was just such a like redemptive thing about like, yeah, I have these boys that I'm raising that I don't need to bear my insecurities with them either. I don't need to worry about them pinching my belly rolls or like flicking my arms. Like it didn't bother me because I was their mom first and my body, you know, is for bearing them. And now it's for interacting with them. And I don't have to say, don't touch, you know, don't, don't pinch mommy there. You know, that bothers me or like, you know, don't do that. Like I just could skip all those uncomfortable things because it didn't, it didn't bother me anymore. And I had right perspective of what my body was used for, including, you know, four and five-year-old boys crying and poking them. <laughs> and I think anybody that has boys can probably understand. I was going to say, what I, I've had that Damn happen. Boys, you might think I'm crazy. <laughs> I know. I was, as you were saying that, I was full on thinking like, I thought that was normal. That happens all the time. <laughs> I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So, I mean, we've yeah. had that like happen before. And I love though hearing because what you said, like I'm their mom first. Oh, and one of the things right. that I my walk with God changed so much when I became a parent. Like I could not understand some of the things that I understand now because I, I just, I didn't have that relationship. Right. And man, one of the things that is so wonderful and so gracious that we learn as a mom is my two-year-old, my five-year-old. I, I mean, I just, this morning, I, you know, we're, we're running out the house and it's crazy and it's chaotic and it's pouring down rain and right. And something happened and I snapped for a second. And then I got in the car and I said, I'm so sorry. Can you forgive me? And automatically they're like, yeah, well, yeah. My five-year-old goes, well, yeah. And I thought, <laughs> oh, I thought, man, like, like they are not, they're not looking at our body image. They're not mm -hmm. looking at our mess ups even like mm -hmm. for them. It's like, well, duh. Yeah. Right. I love you always. Like I'm seeing, they're only seeing the best parts of us. And I love hearing you say like, that's what you're living in is that identity of like, no, that's who I am. This is how you see me. And that's who I am. And that's, yeah. that's one of the things I love learning as I'm a parent is like how much grace they give and thinking like, God, you give so much grace. Like even when I mess up, you're thinking like, okay, yep. We did that. We move on. It's okay. Yeah. Next thing. Yeah. Well, duh. You know, and, yeah. and that's, it doesn't make sense to us because that's not how we think. Right. And we're right. putting our, our image onto him so often rather than taking his yeah. image on us. But it's yeah. so neat to hear you say that. And I love that. I think that's very important to kind of pull out that, that no, you, your mom first rather than yeah. body image or anything else. And, and yeah. they see that they can see that and they can feel that. Right. And not, you know, I love what you are, are saying about us being mom to them. And, you know, parenting runs always the temptation of using our kids to give us worth. Right. Mm -hmm. And so not needing, you know, not needing, you know, that from them. Right. Like yeah. to think mommy's, you know, of course they, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Like mommy is beautiful period. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter any, you know, anything physically about you, you are beautiful to your children and, and knowing that and, and being confident in that, that you are beautiful because God created you to be their mom and not needing them to notice or have that, you know, edification from them. It's just a really freeing, freeing thing, especially with boys, you know, teaching them, showing them what a woman, you know, comfortable with her own body looks like so that hopefully that's the, the you know, the type of wife that they'll pick 
to yeah. then maybe raise a daughter. See, it's like a domino effect. <laughs> it is. It is, right? We're, we're back right around full circle. Right. Yeah. So I'm wondering, um, kind of as we're talking about this at the end here, what are like some first steps that a mom can take? Like if she's trying to be really practical and thinking, I want to start this right now, and maybe I haven't done any work on this journey yet. I, yeah. I still am really struggling myself with body image, and I have a daughter or I have a son, either one. What what does maybe a practical first couple steps look like to being like, I'm going to make a change in this area? Yeah. Well, the very first step that I talk about actually in the first two chapters are identifying our own story. Like sometimes we can get into our, you know, 20s and 30s and 40s, and we've never really fully grieved some pieces of our adolescence or we've not recognized how much baggage we carry in this area. And it's not, it's not a recognizing our story in order to weigh us down or to feel guilty. It's recognizing the pieces of our story that have formed us so that we can start bringing them into the light and letting God redeeming them. Mm-hmm. And so I talk about, you know, maybe writing out your story or finding a trusted friend and asking her to listen to some hurt places maybe from growing up that you didn't realize could still be affecting you today and identifying it and recognizing that maybe this is something that I don't have to claim as truth anymore. You know, I gave that silly story about what that kid said to me in seventh grade, but some of us are holding on to stuff like that from long into our youth. And so recognizing our painful places first and foremost, and then wondering, you know, one of my biggest grief you know, the, the thing, one of the things that I grieve most about my adolescence and my mom, you know, it was a big part of, you know, supporting this book. And she even writes a chapter in Confident Moms, Confident Daughters is, uh, you know, is that I wish that I, I had known more of my mom's story, mm. you know, maybe not necessarily from the beginning, but as our daughters grow, you know, if she's 16 and you had a hard story about when you were 16, sharing that story with her and showing her your humanness and showing, look at, this is something that mommy struggled with. And, you know, I just wanted to share with you that that's part of my story and, you know, finding age appropriate parts of our stories to share with our daughters so that they can see, look, I've walked through this. This is some of the things that I, you know, struggled with or dealt with when I was your age. And I just want you to know that you're not alone. And my mom, I think out of trying to protect me, and not hurt me or cause me, you know, more confusion or pain. She hid all, you know, I did not know anything about her childhood or some of her pains growing up until I was into my twenties and with my own kids. And those were things that I really would have helped me know as a young girl, it would have made me feel like I had, um, I had more of a companion in some of the things I was struggling with. So I think that's a really great, a really great first practical step towards this in this journey. Yeah. I love that because I think you're right. I even have the same experience that most of my friends do where, like you said, they were trying to protect us. Um, but it, it it did play into thinking for me, like, this isn't normal. The things I'm thinking about myself, I'm worrying about, or I'm stressing about, maybe this isn't normal. I need to hide this. And like you said, when everything's hidden and in the dark, it just grows and festers and it turns into something that could have probably been really easily dealt with or not easily, but, but more easily dealt with at that age. That's beautiful. I think that's really neat. Um, so 
where, where can we, I know you said the book's coming out in August, but where can we kind of find you in the meantime? And yeah, yep. Yes, I absolutely do. Uh, so yeah, the book releases August 20th and you know, I have a website that's linked to all the places. It's got my first book out there. It'll have information about confident moms, confident daughters and my blog. And it's just Maria furlow.com. Okay. And I even have, you know, I have some, I have a PDF to some fear fighting tips and stuff like that. So Maria furlow.com is where you can find me. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well. Okay. And one thing I want to ask before we finish, I just always think it's fascinating to know what kinds of things are you reading right now? Yes. that So it's a funny question and, and it's just, it's, it's, actually intricately intricately related to some of the Bible studies that I'm teaching at church right now. So I'm reading this book called How to Read the Bible Like a Seminary Professor. And it was because I had like the fleeting idea one time that I think I might want to go back to school. And then I was like, yep, I don't want to do that. I want something easier. And so (laughs) (laughs) So it's a really easy read and it's really, but it has like the, the deep, you know, deep, but practical ways of you know, if you were sitting through a seminary degrees, what types of things that you glean from there? So I'm reading that one. I am also reading a, a throwback to uh, John Piper's Don't Waste Your Life. Mm. And then I am also working on reading uh, a new book for a discipleship group that I have. And it's called The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts. Mm. And I just, you know, we're as part of our discipleship group, we wanted to start learning our spiritual gifts. And then you know, it hit me like I know the scriptures about our spiritual gifts, but I don't know actually how to guide people through learning and discovering their spiritual gifts. So those are my three. Mm, that sounds fascinating. I love that, that topic of spiritual gifts. Like you said, trying to lead people through that. I would be very curious to hear what you do on that. I'll have to follow you. Hopefully okay, you write something, but I'll have to follow you on <laughs> okay, the so I'll write like version. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Well, thank you, Maria, so much for taking the time with us this morning and for talking about all the things. We really appreciate your time. Absolutely. It was wonderful being here with you ladies. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want quotes from each episode or want to find and reach out to the awesome people interviewed, please find us on Instagram under at Tales of Moxie and follow us for all the details and for info on who will be on the show in the weeks to come. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at talesofmoxie@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.